Hey, down bitches, before we get to the episode, really quick reminder about our tour. We're going back out on tour, and we would love to see all of your beautiful faces there. We're going to be in Joey's backyard June 8th. That's right, we are going to be in New Orleans. We no doubt will be planning a down bitch meetup, so keep your eyes out for that. And then we'll be hanging out with Judy Garland in St. Louis. We're going to meet her in St. Louis on June the 10th. Ding, 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 went the trolley. <laughs> then Pittsburgh is sold out. That'll be June 12th, but you can still come hang out with us. And then we will be hanging out in Ellen's hippie commune in San Francisco on June 18th. If you're going to San Francisco, <laughs> then there are no songs about Phoenix, but we will still be there June 19th. Visit I Think Not Pod for tickets. Oh, I think not pod.com for tickets. You think they didn't know the Can dot com? Just say it. And Joey wants me to add the dot com to ithinknotpod.com because the first time I said it, I just said visit ithinknotpod. And you'll get lots of this on tour. Shut up, Ellen. We'll see you on tour. (laughs) All right, tell them what you did. I left the house with no shoes on. And then what did you do? I drove to my bus Mm -hmm. and then I realized I had no shoes on. Uh Uh-huh. And you were too late to take the bus. So then what did you have to do? Luckily, I had a bag of donations in my trunk that's been there for like two to three months, ballpark, probably four, and I took a pair of shoes out of those. Here's what's going to happen moving forward. The next time I stumble over a word, forget a word, say something swampy, you ain't going to (laughs) say shit because you can't even remember to put your goddamn shoes on before you leave the house. You are not better than me. You ain't never been better than me, and you never will be better than me. Two trash bags in the same dumpster. (laughs) Hi, Joey. Hi, Ellen. I love you. Hi, down bitches, and welcome to the show. Bless this mess. I need to think of a title of my memoir. My memoir needs to be like, I'm a mess in a dress, how about you, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I think we could workshop that a little bit. Yeah. the show, everyone. Welcome to I Think Not, the show where Joey Taranto and I recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. And if you are catching us right now, you are catching us at the beginning of our June show, which is Wonderland Murders. Do you think we chose it because our baby Christopher is the narrator? I would say 100% yes. Yes. We love our baby. So we're going to be giving you four episodes of Wonderland Murders in June. June, welcome. This show is not to be believed. We have covered this show once. We did one episode in the very beginning when we were trying to figure out what our program was. Yeah, I liked it. And we I came did back. too. It's very, very well done. It is. It's also dark. It is dark, but I'm here to lighten the mood with my bare feet and all. Actually, these shoes are from my ex. Like he gave them to you? Yeah, years ago. And they've been sitting in a donation bag, and here I am wearing them today. Wow. And if you want more of what is this? ADHD chaos. Please join us on the Patreon. We just finished up Southern Fried Homicide, one of my favorite shows. You will find hundreds, if not millions, of bonus content there. There is See No Evil. Pink Collar Crimes. I almost got away away with it. I love it. We've done some amazing work on that Patreon. Yeah, and there are ad-free episodes. There's a ton of bonus content. We got some AMAs up there. So if you're taking a road trip this summer... 
let us hang with you. But wait, can we tell them what our June show is for the Patreon? Oh, yeah, tell them. It's American Detective. With Joe Kenda, homicide hunter. Let me tell you something. Detective Joe don't give a fiddle as fuck. Yeah. That man says whatever he wants. And you know what? I aspire to be him when I'm old. He's got some gems. Oh, yeah. So we will be covering minimum 10 episodes of American Detective Homicide Hunter over there on the Patreon. So go over there and have some fun. We love making extra content for you, and we hope you love it, too. Should we get to this show? I think we should. Season 2, Episode 1, Terror in the Pines. Now, when you looked at the title, did you think it took place in Fire Island? (laughs) The Pacific Northwest was his personal hunting ground. Inside the bag was a human head and another severed hand. This person knows what they're doing, and they've done this type of work before. I immediately just said, oh my God, it was my mom's hand that they found. Did they find any more of her? No woman was safe. He went into gory detail, just to scare her. He just terrorized her. The part of me that's still my body is trying to do whatever it takes to survive that moment. And his own words reveal a dark and dangerous mind. I didn't want to kill him right there at this point. But it's so far gone. Christopher, our sweet little big baby Christopher with that shiny bald head. So here we are in the summer of 2009, which is also known as the Black Eyed Pea Summer because this song took over the planet. I got a feeling. And this song. Great song. Great song. Slumdog Millionaire. That was the Slumdog Millionaire. Remember that oh. sleeper hit that came through? Also, the soundtrack was so good. Yeah. And it was also the year that Flight 1549 landed on the Hudson River. I remember that I like it never was yesterday. forget that. Yeah. At that time, I was living on 49th between 10th and 11th. Wow. Right at the Hudson River. Do you think when that man landed that plane in the Hudson, he was like, yep, Tom Hanks is definitely going to play me in a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> that night. I would imagine, while he's getting his feet all toasty by the fire. For sure. He's like, it's either Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep. Either I'll take. It's the summer of 2009 in eastern Oregon, a part of the state known for its wide rivers and plentiful ponderosa pines. And in the small town of Elgin, about four hours east of Portland, two kids head off to see what's biting at Goldfish Pond early in the morning on July 24th. Here we are in the small town of Elgin, Oregon, which is about four hours east of Portland. And on the morning of July 24th, two kids are headed to Goldfish Pond to do some fishing. And I already don't like this. Why, honey? I know where this is going. Right. And I don't want to go. But then again, this is my job. (laughs) So I don't have a choice. (laughs) One of the boys ended up fishing and pulling out a literal severed hand out of the pond. A human hand. And then he takes a picture of it and sends it to his mom. That makes sense, though. Yes, who's a nurse? They were little kids, and they took a picture, and they were like, Mom, is this real? I was like, that's pretty responsible, because it could have been like a Halloween thing. They're little kids. Little kids are stupid. Yeah, well, God knows. And she was like, yep, that's real. I'm calling the cops. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, can I just say this? This is when we meet Detective Ty Doobie. Uh-huh. That's right, Doobie, which immediately makes me think of that clip from Sex in the City. The day I got arrested for smoking a doobie. 
You know who's in that episode? Uh, Orfe. Orfe's Orfe. in that episode, yeah. Fucking city girls. Oh, yeah. And then, so Detective Ty Doobie says... That's a big deal for this neck of the woods. Ty Doobie, I have been to many necks of many woods. Mm, okay. And it's a big deal in all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, human hand is not what you want to catch while you're fishing. I don't know much about fishing. That I will tell you. Well, I'll tell you something. This is a small town because that picture of the hand made its rounds yeah. around Elgin. All over town. Who would want to see that? I would be mad if somebody no, sent me that. No, when you're a kid, it's like Stand By Me. I Remember think in the Stand By Me it. where they wanted to go, like, see oh, the... Bu- it's right. that morbid curiosity. But Ty Doobie also says the fatal words, which is, we don't have many murders here. The fastest way to have murders is to say you don't have murders. Okay. Like I, You think, heard it here first. I think we should teach a class or something. Like, it should be at some university, you know, how to not make murders happen. Yeah. You should be a professor and a cop. Did he look at you funny? Arrest him. Yeah. <laughs> he called you babe. Arrest him. Yeah. So, Did he tell you to smile? Come on. <laughs> Not the fuzzy ones. Those are mine. Thank you. We had detectives from multiple agencies, the Union County Sheriff's Office, the Grand Police Department, Oregon State Police. We're going to have to get the fire department out here and drain the whole pond. Every type of police. There's state police, county police, sheriff. Everyone showed up. And they were like, who are we missing? Call the fire department. They're going to have to drain this pond. Yeah, they just called everyone over there. I mean, so no, obviously they want to identify the victim, but because of the decomposition of the hand, it was going to be very hard to pull prints from it. And there was no clues, no tire tracks, no kicking base, nothing to (laughs) give them anything to jump off of. So the pond ends up getting drained and they find a green canvas bag laying in the middle of it. In the bag, they find a human head and the other severed hand. And the victim was a white female, and that's all they knew because of the decomposition of the remains. That is right. Crazy. They knew that it was a white woman, and that's kind of all they knew. And then they look up, and you know what they see? Yep. What do they see? Birds. What kind of birds? Oh, buzzards. They didn't say it, but... but a bunch of buzzards circling like they're waiting for the... Like the apocalypse is coming. And... Then they're like, those birds are absolutely circling the rest of this victim's remains. And you guys, they were right. That's horrifying. Yeah. So Nikki Vance, lady forensic scientist, we love to see it. She was like, this body has been out here. It was decomposed. The animals, the elements, and they're really struggling to find a time of death. And there was no marks on her, no saw marks. She didn't have forearms. I mean, it is crazy. And the thing is, is like, I can't even imagine what that must have looked like for her to be like, I don't know if this has been days, weeks, or months. That is horrible. And so Dr. Vance says, whoever did this, they knew what they were doing and probably had done this before, if not on a person, on an animal. So they don't know cause of death and no. they can't identify her. Now, this sounds really gruesome yes. when we explain it, but it's actually very genius yeah. because they would not have been able to identify her otherwise. So her hands, like her skin were... It was decomposing. She was decomposed. So what they did was they cut off her fingerprints And a technician put on a glove and they essentially put the fingerprints on that glove to give a print. Again, that sounds like a horror movie, but they're trying to solve a crime here. So I kind of was like, I hate it, but I love it. Well, it worked because they took that fingerprint and they ran it through their database. And it turns out that there was a person that had a marijuana charge from 2007 
and they were able to identify the victim as a 51-year-old woman named Shannon Sloan. You know, every time we mention something about fingerprints, I genuinely think to myself, do I have fingerprints somewhere? So I feel like we should run some competition. We should do some, like, DB, go get your fingerprints. Oh, which reminds me, I should give you a lock of my hair just so you can have it. Not for that creepy altar that you have in your house or that voodoo doll of me that you have, but just to have, just in case you need to identify me one day. We are too intertwined as it is. (laughs) I don't need to have some man at my house and be like, oh, there's a lock of hair. Oh, that's my best friend (laughs) in case she goes missing. (laughs) Go in my top drawer. Go back. No, no, no. That's Ellen's hair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no. the, I want the poppers. Yeah. Grab the poppers. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just saying, do you have fingerprints somewhere? I don't know. We should do that. How do we do that? Call Jesus. I don't know. First, get your shoes on before you leave the house. <laughs> then we'll worry about your fingerprints. The print matches back to a 51-year-old woman named Shannon Sloan. Marijuana charge, 2007. Two Elgin addresses since then. And two grown daughters are running the addresses on them right now. Good work. Thank you, brother. After we identified her, we notified next to Ken. So they call daughter Jessica first. And Jessica is like, I made a noise that I couldn't even replicate it if I tried. Like she was just wailing. And then Jessica called her sister, Nicole. And she's like, it didn't actually make sense. It didn't compute. It's like that moment in Legally Blonde where she's like, I'm sorry, I just hallucinated. What? Yeah, exactly. It's that moment where you're like, I don't think I heard that right. Which makes sense because it's like every passing is so devastating. I guess just take that feeling of like the loss that we have. Because I know you mentioned once that your dad died. Yes. Yeah. Did you tell our listenership? Go and fuck yourself. (laughs) The two daughters chat with investigators and it turns out that the last time they spoke with mom Shannon was about three weeks before her murder. Now, they explain how their mom, she was a young mom, married at 17, and she was very loving, but she did struggle with addiction. Right. And she was like a fun mom. She was kind of all over the place and crafty. I was like, eh, it's me as a mom. Okay. Fun loving. And she was really trusting of people. And as she got older and she was suffering a little bit from substance abuse disorder, the girl spent a lot of time at Tim Shannon's brother's house. So as the girls get older, they go on to have families of their own. And their mom had a long-term boyfriend by the name Frank Scaramucci. I love that name. The minute they said that, I was just staring at the computer going, Scaramouche, Scaramouche. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Will you do the fandango? Well, they were together for like seven years. And so detectives are like, well, we've got to dig into Frank a bit. He does have a record, nothing major. However, They're like, we have to talk with him. But they couldn't find Frank. Yeah, and they go to their home. He wasn't there. His cell phone was turned off. He shared a home with Shannon. Right. And I was like, okay, he has skipped town. This is suspicious. So Tim, Shannon's brother, calls her cell phone. Yeah, he went through like a couple numbers. I don't know, but it's really scary, actually. Tim says, who is this? And he's like, who is this? And what did you do with Shannon? And the man says, oh, you can't even imagine. I hate scary movies. Yeah. So the idea of a stranger being on the other side of the phone, that whole scream call, the Drew Barrymore, I'm like, no, I want off of this scary Well, and the, it gets worse for the brother. You know, brother Tim asks, why did you do this? And the man replies, it's not what I did to her. It's what she did to me. And then hangs up. What the fuck? Right. And brother Tim tries calling back and calling back and he wouldn't answer the phone, but he would communicate via text, which is like, you know, when you call someone and they text you back, Yeah. you know, or someone doesn't text you back, but then they watched your story and you're like, what? Why are you looking at me like that? No, you never 
would do that. No, I'm just saying it's like, oh, okay, so you do have your phone. <laughs> Great. We need to put a trace on this number. This is the guy that killed her, and he's got her phone. Detectives are able to mimic the phone number used by Shannon's brother. You could never get the person on the other end of the phone to answer the phone. Uh, we were communicating with him via text messages. This was a big break. So Tim goes to the cops, and the cops are able to duplicate Tim's number, and they text with this guy, and they keep texting because they want to use GPS to locate him. And they do. They get an address, and the SWAT team shows up, only to find out this dude is some asshole with a sick sense of humor who's been fucking with Tim because Tim dialed the wrong number. By one number. By one number. And this fucking rusty handlebar decided to waste everyone's energy, get Tim all worked up. Everyone's so upset. Wasted time, money, resources. I hope that guy served time. I hope he got in trouble for sure. Anytime people fuck with people or victims that incenses me, I suggest you penetrate yourself anally with a splintery broomstick. (laughs) Yeah. I support that. Yeah. So detectives begin canvassing Elgin and one person gives them a name. Jeremiah Johnson. And they show us some picture of Jeremiah. I don't think it's a mugshot, but it looks as though he was in a haunted house and it was like the scariest part. And they were like, say cheese. It is that. He's like, yeah, his mouth is open. He's like shocked. Yeah, It looks like somebody startled him, came up behind him by surprise and then flashed a picture, which is why everyone should have a file of if I go missing use these pictures. Do I need to bring up Rosemary Christensen with the closed eyes? No, I do not. We all remember that. Just, I'm saying, give your best friend a lock of your hair and set aside a group of pictures in your phone. Be like, I looked really good there. That was when we were in Mexico. Oh, I'm going to hand them over your booby pictures and I'm going to put like little stickers of Cindy Lauper's face. When you die, I'm going to make a dress out of all of your butt pics. Please wear it to my funeral. And then I'm going to tap dance on your coffin. I came here as what he loved most, (laughs) ass cheeks. His own (laughs) ass cheeks. Detectives find out Frankie and Jeremiah hang out together on occasion. And after they run Jeremiah's name through a criminal database, they find out the 28-year-old is from Wyoming and has been in town a while, long enough to have a minor drug conviction. So it turns out Shannon's boyfriend, Frank, hangs out with Jeremiah occasionally. Jeremiah is 28 years old from Wyoming, but been in Elgin for a bit and has a minor drug conviction, but there's not a lot. So they go to the address that they have for Jeremiah and his mail was piling up. His cell phone was dead. This dude was off the grid. Detective Rutherford starts checking out bars in and around LeGrand and Elgin. And he finds one called the Bear Paw. And of course, all I could think of was Paw Paw. <laughs> but when I think about the boat case, I think about the charges that y'all brought against Paw Paw. So they asked the bartender, yeah. have you seen Shannon, Jeremiah, Frank? And they were like, yeah, I have actually. They were here And you know what? Come to think of it, they were actually hanging out with like a fourth guy last week. And that fourth guy turns out to be a house painter named Greg, but the bartender didn't know his last name. So Greg introduced himself at the bar. They were playing pool. They became friendly. And Greg was described as a very smart man, but also very manipulative. Yeah. We're basically just picking up people like it's Wonderland Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah. Like we're just all, we got, we got Shannon, we got Frank. Everyone's like off to see the wizard. I guess Frank is the cowardly lion because they pick him up last. Yeah. And so this reenactment, weird Wizard of Oz group, they're playing, they're hanging out. And when the reenactment Wizard of Oz is done playing pool, new bestie Greg was like, 
let's go sing karaoke. And I was like, oh, maybe this guy isn't so bad after all. Yeah. But, my love, he's coming for your gig. Because oh. what did he want to sing? Guns N' Roses. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite Guns N' Roses song? Welcome to the Jungle. It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? I mean, Knocking on Heaven's Door just comes to my mind. Great but song. like, yeah, it's a great song. Listen, karaoke, bringing people together and simultaneously destroying eardrums for years. Uh, when's the last time you saw them all together? Well, might have been last week. Thanks so much. Okay. So detectives Rutherford and Doobie go door to door to see if anyone in Elgin knows a house painter named Greg. A lot of people didn't know anything about him. I did have a gentleman paint my kitchen a couple weeks ago. His name was Greg. Would you happen to remember the name you wrote on the check, ma'am? So the bartender says last time he saw them all together was about a week ago. So now the detectives, I have to give it to them, they are pounding the pavement. Mm-hmm. They're going door to door asking about a painter named Greg, and that pays off. Yeah, because one lady was like, yeah, a guy named Greg actually just painted my kitchen. And they were like, do you remember the name? And she goes, I don't. Maybe it's cook? Wait, so you do remember. <laughs> well, because he painted the kitchen and you cook in the kitchen, so it just came to me. <laughs> Word association. So they run Greg Cook's name and that lights up like a Christmas tree. This man has a record, everything from drugs, assault, burglary, sex offender for which he only served 25 months in prison. That's it? Okay, for another time. I know that's not the point of this podcast. I'm just saying. And he was a hunter and a fisherman. Very experienced hunter. Put a pin in that. So they get his address. Detectives show up. No Greg. And the neighbors hadn't seen him at all. Now put a pin in that because Shannon's daughters decide to go to the home that Frankie shared with their mom, Shannon. And they let themselves in. Yeah, Shannon's daughters went to DBU and they majored in, I got this. I yeah. got this covered. And they look and they're putting two and two together. They're like, okay. Frank's medications are here. Yep. They're all here. So where is he? He needs these medications. To live. Yeah. So something might have happened to Frank. Yeah. Nicole says it was at that point that we're like, Frank might be dead. Yeah. On July 29th, 2009, detectives put out an APB on Cook and his vehicle, a Jeep Cherokee. Two days later, they catch a big break on a highway outside of Elgin. One of our senior troopers was um, out on patrol and spots the Jeep. They put an APB out for Greg Cook and his car, and his car was a Jeep Cherokee. So one day, a trooper spots a Jeep Cherokee, and it's Greg Cook's fucking Jeep. Yeah. We see the dash cam. It's like, even if I know what's going to happen, dash cams just feel so surreal. They feel like I'm peeking in on something, but I love them. Yeah, they terrify me a little bit. Well, the state trooper pulls over the Jeep, and as he approaches the window, he's thinking he's going to see Greg in there, but it's not Greg. It's not Greg. It's Greg's girlfriend, Rebecca, and he was like, can you step out of the vehicle? And she's saying, oh, thank God, thank you. And then she starts shaking and crying hysterically. Her knees practically buckled, poor thing. She was saying, thank God it's over. Thank God he's been holding me. I'm scared. I have to get away. I was like, what fucking left turn are we taking here? Yeah, I I mean, she did everything but jump in that trooper's arms. And he was like, what's happening? Yeah. Did you at first think it was an act? No. I, I thought it wasn't. And then I do this to my brain all the time. I'm like, oh, my God, that poor woman. What if it's an act? <laughs> I've been duped. I've been duped way too many times well, in my life. Well, we also live in New 
New York City. Yeah. So she says she doesn't know where Greg went. He ran off and she saw her opportunity to escape. So she did. Turns out they'd been together for eight years and she sits down with detectives and tells them everything. Not only that, Greg left her with a confession letter. It was five to six pages handwritten. When was the last time you wrote five to six pages? Years. The 90s. Yeah. You can see whenever I write a card, I start with really nice penmanship and then it just goes, it's like, you know. I don't you, give a you, fuck Yeah, anymore. you give like a, I'm like a doctor. <laughs> They're like, oh, thank you. Merry Christmas. Is oh, that amoxicillin? She, what, what, what do I need that for? <laughs> she signed it in hieroglyphics. Uh, How nice. Yeah. You have great penmanship, actually. Thank I you. love your penmanship. I do try. Yeah. I don't try. <laughs> At anything, really. Honey, you're good at a lot of things. You don't have to be good at penmanship. No, I'm actually not good at a lot of things. I'm really mediocre at a lot of things, but I come close to being good at a lot of things. I disagree with that statement. Anyway. I'm thinking about putting that in my memoir, too. Great. I can't (laughs) wait. Just remember to put your shoes on when you go to bring the manuscript to your publisher. Rebecca tells the detectives she's been with Cook on and off for eight years. And she not only provides intimate knowledge of Cook and his crimes, but hands over a confession letter Cook has written. It's very detailed. It's probably five, six pages. It didn't rhyme, but it was almost like he was trying to write a poem or something. Written just really flowery. So she hands over this letter. Did you pause the letter? I did. I am so proud of you. You know what it reminded me of? This is what I wanted to say out loud. The Jean Benet letter? No. I wanted to say this. You have the handwriting of a serial killer. That is what I thought. Oh my gosh. You're so right. It said, screw me on my money. And she started screaming in my face. I slapped her. She said, let me go. I said, not till you give me your money. She said, it's something dollars and I am committed something something holding you against your will and in the letter he admitted to killing Shannon yeah so girlfriend Rebecca says Greg used drugs and alcohol and she said when he did that he became a very different person and by the time we hit July 18th 2009 Greg had become paranoid he had agreed to take Shannon on a beer run he was like you owe me $25 from the other night she's like we'll pay you back Well, he's hopped up, paranoid, and he hits her. Over $25. Also, there was no Venmo back then. No. Like, what do you have to do? You have to go to the ATM. When was the last time you touched cash? Oh, I mean, I can't even remember. If you were to tell me right now, like, give me $25 or I'll never be friends with you, I'd be like, It was nice knowing you. Peace out. Give me my lock of hair back, you know? Look, I made it into a corsage. I'm not going back to prison. And he takes her shoes and he throws her shoes. And he's like, I assaulted her. I committed a kidnapping. So I'm committed at that point. That's when I make the decision to kill her. Now Greg is thinking, I can't go back to jail. I've already hit her and I'm not letting her out the car. And she's acknowledged that I've not let her out of the car. And she's like, you're kidnapping me. So at that point, he was like, oh, I have to kill her. He thought that was his only reasonable next step was to kill her. And he told Rebecca all of the gory details. He confessed everything. Like he was writing a script to a movie, only it was real. Yeah, he terrorized her with those details because it was his way of saying, if you don't abide by my rules and you don't keep the secret and you fuck with me, I can do the same thing to you. So Rebecca's terrified. Yeah. And then Christopher says, But that's only the beginning of Cook's cold-blooded carnage. 
was like, oh, oh in the, the beginning. beginning? Yeah. Christopher, I am at the end of my very, very frayed rope. Yes. The beginning. Fuck that. This is the beginning to nothing. There's more. Yeah, I am Bon Jovi and I'm living on a prayer. Please, I can't take no more. Only the beginning. Well, it gets worse because in this letter, Greg confessed to killing both Frankie and Jeremiah. Yeah. Because they knew he was with Shannon and they knew too much. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And he goes, also, here's a map where their bodies are. So she's like, he dropped me at my mom's house, told me to keep the Jeep, and said he was on his way to Washington. Yeah, he's on the run. And so this all happened the day before they talked to Rebecca. So now they're like, okay, he's got one day head start on us. On August 1st, 2009, the bodies of Jeremiah Johnson and Frank Scaramuzzi are found in the woods outside of Elgin, exactly where Cook stated they'd be. Basically, we had a nationwide manhunt going on. As Cook's story makes national news, tips pour in. Yes, ma'am. You saw him on a bus headed to Tacoma? And so we had detectives all over the place trying to run down leads in Washington. So it's August 1st, and they follow the map, because who knows if he's telling them right. the right thing, you sure. know? But he was. And they find the bodies of Jeremiah and Frank exactly where he said that they would be. It's fucking wild. And so now this spawns a nationwide manhunt. The story's making headline news and tons of tips are coming in. And the goal is obviously to find him and apprehend him before he murders someone else. Yeah, three people he has fully confessed to murdering. It makes national news. Hundreds of tips start pouring in. And it turns out he had gotten on a bus to Tacoma. Yeah. And this is where we meet a woman that we will not soon forget because her name is Linda May. Well. You know who Linda May's cousin is. Tell him who it is. Well, you know what I say? You know what I say? Every day, don't mess with a Linda, gay or nay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tupac. <laughs> Linda May gets on her knees to pray, pray, pray. Linda May loves macrame. This rhythm is questionable. <laughs> you know what? I said you're good at a lot of things. Poetry, slam poetry, whatever you're doing right now. We got two Lindas, gay in May. One thing we know, they both slay. (laughs) (laughs) You are not. Hey, 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 listen to what I have to say. If you're going to get a May or a gay, all you should do is walk away. Walk away. Okay, you write a song. (laughs) I'm just trying to write May and gay. Wow, it's just like sitting and watching Hamilton. It is thick. Spectacular. Wow. We got two Lindas, May and Gay. We got two Lindas and they both slay. <laughs> this is a workshop. I'm workshopping. Lindas, Lindas, never were there two devoted Lindas. I rhymed macrame. Yeah, good for you. That was a deep attempt. It was good. Her name is Linda May. Come on. Someone's fucking with us. <laughs> So one day, Linda May is in the washateria, and she sees a man, and... She's in the what? The washateria. You never heard that? Is that a Southern expression? No, I don't know, but they can call it the washateria. Is that what it was called on the show? It's a laundromat, but you can call it the washateria. I have never heard that word. Did you make up that word? No, I'm not making anything up. Washateria. It's called a laundromat, my love. Things can have more than one name. Okay, ready? Washateria versus laundromat. What's the difference? Okay, 
a washateria is a blend of the word wash and cafeteria. So it's a place where you can go wash and get food. They have one of those in New Orleans. Okay, but that's not what this was. Okay, well, she was at the fucking laundromat. But do you want to hear my million dollar idea? (laughs) What? I am not kidding. A laundromat that is also a karaoke bar. That is a brilliant idea. Okay. If you're going to wash your clothes and you're bored, have a beer and sing Endless Love. (laughs) But you need a partner for Endless Love. (laughs) (laughs) Not the way I do it. Oh, okay, got it. (laughs) Just one day after Oregon State Police turn up the heat on Cook, he comes clean in a different way, doing his laundry in Rainier, Washington. I look over and there's this guy and he's taking his shirt off and he's putting it in the washing machine. Dang. You sound like you're having one of my days. Yeah, I forgot my coins. Well, you don't look like you have much. Why don't you throw it in with mine? She's in the laundromat and she sees a man. And we'll tell you now, the man is Greg Cook. Yeah, he seems agitated and annoyed. And she's like, are you you okay? You're having a day like I am. And this man is shirtless. Yeah. Because he is going to wash his clothes and he has no quarters. Sometimes people forget their clothes. This is true. Sometimes people walk out without shirts or, I don't know, maybe shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm spitballing. Yeah. And then they're like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) Can you please leave my daughter's quinceanera? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to insist that you put on shoes if you're going to go to the buffet. Ma'am, this is Mount Holy Olive Second Baptist Design Church of God in Christ. Can you please put on a bra? (laughs) And so Linda May, not knowing this man, has murdered three people, says, oh, gosh darn it. You can throw your clothes in with mine. You don't look like you have too much stuff. Can I ask a question? (laughs) Who wants a stranger's funk swirling around a washing machine and mixing juices with your delicates? Yeah. My guys don't know your guys. Yeah, no one wants your guys touching my guys. Not even a little bit. And then it gets worse. Because they're sitting down and yapping, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm just hiking and biking and hitchhiking. He's like, I guess I'll sleep in the woods. I'm just so cold. I guess I'll... Find a leaf bed and sleep in the woods. And Linda May goes, you know, I know it's warm enough to sleep in the woods, but that doesn't sound fun. Honey, this has nothing to do with the temperature. That's not the point. The weather is not the selling point. Who sleeps in the woods (laughs) without a tent? And Linda May was like, well, I was supposed to meet my cousin. Linda Gay tonight, but you can also come to my RV. And then Greg was like, I mean, cool. Like, that's cool. Like, do you trust me? Do you need references? You can trust me. No need to worry about me. I've killed no people. I've not killed people or even hurt people. Do you trust me? You can call anyone I know. Trust me. Never, ever trust anyone who says, trust me. Listen to me. People give themselves away. Yeah. When they're like, do you really think that I want to do this thing to you? Do you really think I... And I'm like, I didn't even mention that thing. Exactly. Like, when anyone suggests that, like, take Aladdin. Like, Aladdin's like, do you trust me? It's like, bro, you're going around Agrabar, like, dressed as a prince. Your whole life is a lie. Yep. And then you get this princess on a fucking flying carpet and tell her how great sex is? Yeah, she should have been like... I can show you the door. (laughs) Get out. Get out, Aladdin. That whole song is about sex. Oh. Take you wonder by wonder over sideways and under. Come on. Hold your breath. It gets better. And then he yells, don't you dare close your eyes. Don't you dare close your eyes. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're ruining people's childhood. That whole song is about sex. 
I can show you the world. Yeah, the world is my ding-dong. Yes. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Come on, princess. Come on. When did you last let your heart decide? Come on, have a shot. Have a kamikaze. I'll take you wonder by wonder. Hello, it's all about sex. He's, like, trying to get her to bone. Madeline Mankin is a nasty woman. See? Wow. Hello? Hi, Stephanie. I said, I'm Linda May. I'm in a Rainier laundromat with your father, and... He just wanted me to talk to you so that I know he's okay. He's not a rapist or a murderer or anything, right? He's like, why don't you call my daughter to confirm that I'm a good guy? So Linda says, sure. And she's like, I'm just humoring him. I wasn't really worried. This man is a stranger. He's washing his tube top with your tube top. But remember, he's really manipulative. He's like, call my daughter Stephanie. And Linda May is like, okay. And so she calls <laughs> Stephanie, gets on the phone. She's like, hey, I'm Linda May. She's, yeah, yeah she's my, my cousin. cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I did hear the song. <laughs> It's catchy. Big hit. Yeah. No, I just want them to give me a cut of the iTunes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Neither here nor there. Anyway, I'm at the laundromat with your dad, and she literally said, like, he's not like a raper or a murderer, is he? And Stephanie goes, oh, she just kind of like laughs it off and goes, can I talk to my dad? And she goes, oh, sure. And Linda May hears him say to his daughter, no matter what happens, I love you so much. And he gets off the phone. Linda May is swimming in a sea of red flags, and she looks at Greg and says, okay, you ready to go? Yeah. And they head to her RV, and she literally lives almost in a van down by the river. Okay. (laughs) May he rest. May he rest. So back in Oregon, the police get a call, and it's down bitch Stephanie. It is his daughter, Stephanie. Yeah, she's like, hi, my name's Stephanie. I went to DBU and I majored in, I don't give a fuck what your DNA is. You're a murderer and go fucking get him. That's an extended course. Yeah. It's only offered yeah. in spring semester. Yes. People always ask for that class. With another minor and blood is not thicker than water. Yeah, she's petrified. Also, I didn't think of this until right now. Thank God Linda was like, hi, I'm Linda May. Because Stephanie was able to tell the cops He's with a woman named Linda May. Yeah. What if she just said her first name? It is wild. And so she's like, listen, you've got to get to this woman because I'm afraid she's going to be next. And so she gives them Linda May's number and the cops are pinging her phone nonstop. Right. Now, walk me through this. Seriously. So do you think they didn't call it? Because I was like, why are you pinging it? Why aren't you calling it? Do you think they didn't want to, like, panic her? Yes. They wanted to get there? Yes. Because at first I was like, well, call her. Tell her yeah, to run. Tell her to get out of that RV. Imagine being alone with a person that you don't know is a killer and the police call you and say, hey, act natural, but the person you're with is probably going to murder you. And you're like, so? Oh, yeah. You like pizza rolls? Yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Hey, let's write a song. Yeah. Were you a fan of Night Court? <laughs> I mean, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm just a a little mess trying to get organized here. And then I got close to him. I looked in his eyes, and I remember saying, Wow, I have never seen eyes as dark as yours. They were almost like pure black. Um, I just can't get over your eyes. Reassuring? Yeah, something like that. Help yourself to something to drink. So they're in the RV, and Linda notes that she looked at his eyes, 
and they were black. I literally just wrote this in my notes. I wrote, I am so uncomfortable right now. Yeah. She goes, I have never seen eyes as dark as yours. Yeah, because you are staring into beady IBLs above. Linda, you're in danger, girl. Yeah. And so they're sitting down and chatting, and Greg says, let's exchange stories. And Linda May is all, oh, I don't tell stories, but I listen to them. And Greg says, great. I have a true story for you. One that's going to make you famous and put you in the newspapers. Yeah. And I don't even think at this point Linda May gets it. I actually thought this reenactment actress who was playing Linda May, I mean, they look nothing alike. Nothing. It, was, it was like if you put on a wig and you were me as a yeah. reenactment actor. <laughs> but I actually think she was a very good actress, this woman. She was. Randomly. You see her face kind of like melt because she goes through like all the stages of grief, just like in silence yes. in her face because he looks at her and goes, I'm not going to hurt you. And then he throws his arms up and he goes, I'm Gregory Alvin Cook. I'm the most wanted man by the FBI right now. And I'm running from the law. What do you do in that moment? What do you do? I feel like I would freeze. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, the truth is, is that what he was doing was a power move. He wanted her to know that he was in control. And I'm like, Linda, 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 Linda. Linda, Linda, Linda listen. Listen, Linda. Listen, 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 you. listen, Linda. Listen. Most people don't invite complete strangers into their home, especially ones who do their laundry naked and talk about sleeping in the woods. And now you're sitting across from this man who is like, I am the most wanted man on the FBI. And what I think she's thinking in that moment is, oh, yeah, the signs were there. I did. I or missed all is of she them. thinking like, LOL, you silly McGillicuddy, sit down and have your Heineken. Well, if she was thinking that, he then spills his guts about everything, being on the run, murdering three people. And then he's like, they're going to be tracking me through your cell phone. And she's like, well, where is my cell phone? Guess what, Linda May? Your cell phone is in his pocket. Yeah. She starts being really nice and understanding. And she's like, I can keep a secret. I'm here for you. What else can she fucking do? There's nothing she can do. I mean, I think that sometimes that would work. But also, Greg is a very smart man and very manipulative. I'd be very curious what that conversation was like. And so eventually it's 2 a.m. Greg says, I'm tired. Let's go to bed. And they do. And thankfully, Greg passed out almost immediately. And Because Linda was like, he was going to assault me. Yeah. And he was just hammered. So thank God that didn't happen. Working around the clock, cops have been unable to GPS Linda's cell phone. Greg had taken the, the battery out of the phone so that we couldn't track him. But finally catch a big break early the next morning. I just got in touch with one of her former co-workers. She had Linda's new address. And detectives quickly put a plan into motion knowing each second is critical. But Greg did take the battery out of Linda May's phone so that they couldn't track her. But they already had her address. And then she wakes up in the morning to, like, stirring behind her RV. Well, it wasn't stirring. It was the SWAT team. I literally wrote, I can't breathe. We will have several conversations with Linda May. I'm going to invite her to Obsess Fest and be like, we love you. We're so glad you're okay. But let's talk about good decisions. When Lola was little, I would say, was that a good decision or a bad decision? But I mean, just also, the, I wonder who it could be. It's not Egg McMahon back from the dead with a million dollar check from Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> you just dated yourself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how do I get this T9 to work? I don't know how this... I and don't answer the phone. Columbia House is still asking me for that 99 cent. I don't do the internet. That's how they get you. <laughs> the government is tracking you. 
So Linda May opens the door just an inch. And of course, it's the fucking SWAT team with a gun. And they're like, is Greg in here? And she said, I didn't want Greg to think I was cooperating with the police. So she just nods. Yeah. Okay, Linda. She like slipped a disc, like nodding. Poor thing. But she's probably placated him and be like, we can go on the road together. We can, you know pander to him. I'm sure. And the police officer just grabs my wrist and starts pulling me. The SWAT team took up positions and then called him out. Gregory Cook, come on with your hands up. Well, they remove Linda May from the house and they're calling Greg's name, telling him to come out. And Greg does come out. Butt naked. Is it butt naked or buck naked? Buck naked is a colloquialism. I think that certain areas, like buck naked, they would say in the South. Because they said buck naked, and I always thought it was butt naked. It can be butt or buck. We'll get a million DMs about it, and that's fine. Okay. But I think it's just like a, it's one of those things. Buck naked, butt naked, naked, naked. Right. Nude. Right. What would you say? I think I would say butt naked. It's like those things that you say and you don't know their meaning. Like, do you know why people say break a leg when you're auditioning? Yes. Why? It's the opposite of good luck. And it's like a toy toy. You know what I mean? No. It's because they want you to be in the cast. Break a leg so you'll get in a cast. I don't like this. That's the root of it. You'll end up in a cast if you break your leg. Do you know why people say God bless you when you sneeze? Because you're a horrible person and you need Jesus? <laughs> you didn't put your shoes on. Fuck you, okay? Do you know why? 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 Why is that? <laughs> because they used to believe that when you sneezed, you sneezed out your soul. And they would say God bless you so that your soul would go back in you. Joke's on you. I have no soul. <laughs> so did you say? this man totally naked they're like you couldn't put your panties on greg before you came out here but he is a sociopath so they bring him in to interrogate him and what they learn is fucking horrifying the gal shannon the first person they found i had to kill her because what i had did was enough to go to prison and i didn't want to go to prison ever again and he leads her out into the timber and it's real thick timber and she's barefoot Keep moving. Let's pray together, Shannon. He wanted her to give him a reason not to kill her. And then he's like, let's pray. And she says, I don't believe in God. And that made him oddly angry. Because God is so prevalent in your world, Greg. Well, we find this out later on. I'm going to say it now. But Greg turns out to be a very religious person. Yeah. A very religious fucking psychopath. Yep. And he says, oh, well, her death was very peaceful. And Dr. Nikki, who works in forensics, he's like, I looked at her remains. That is a lie. She actually was stabbed violently and repeatedly. This was not a peaceful murder. And the truth is, is that's why he dismembered her is because Greg didn't want her identified. And that's when he disposed of the limbs. But then he thinks, oh, fuck, Jeremiah and Frankie know I gave her a ride. And so when people start wondering where she is, they'll link her missing to me. Right. So I guess I have to kill them, too. This is this man's logic. Yeah. I have no other choice. Yeah. So he goes to Frankie and Jeremiah and he says, have you seen Shannon? And they're like, no, come to think of it. No, we should go find her. And Greg's like, yeah, let's go find her. And totally bamboozles them. They go to the woods to go look for Shannon. As soon as they got out of the car, Greg's like, you know what? I'm going to come clean. I killed Shannon. And he told them everything. There's some sick, twisted thing that he likes reliving it. He likes the dramatics. He's now told Rebecca. 
Well, he's telling the police right now, and he told Frankie and Jeremiah. Yeah, it's a sick power game for him. It makes him feel powerful. And so he goes, here's what's going to happen. Frankie's like, are you going to murder us? He goes, no, but I need to know that you can keep a secret. And so here's what we're going to do. You each take a shovel. I'm going to take you out into the woods because I want you to know what it feels like, how serious I am. Long story short, this man forces these guys at gunpoint with their shovels to walk out into a deep part of the forest. And then says, go ahead and dig two graves because I want you to feel what could happen to you if you talk. They dig the graves. Then he gets them on their knees. He says, let's pray. And he's like, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. Frank's like, I don't know the Lord's Prayer. He said, well, that's okay. Repeat after me. But I'm not going to kill you. He basically teased them. And they followed all of his instructions because they're thinking, if I just go along with this, he won't kill me. They kept saying, we won't tell. We won't tell. Your secret is safe with us. And he's like, I'm not going to kill you guys. And then you know what he does? He shot Frank in the back of the head, which obviously Jeremiah is not going to wait for that. He lunges at Greg and Greg sadly shot him before he could do anything. And then he dumps them in those holes and puts brush over them. So he had these men dig their own graves. That is how sick, twisted, sociopathic he is because he got off on that shit. Yeah. Would you be willing to to walk us through those areas and point stuff out to us and Okay. He led us through all the scenes. Told us where evidence was. He was going to kill everybody. There's nobody safe. I wasn't going to leave anybody alive for any reason. So the cops are like, can you take us to the bodies? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And he shows them. And and we we see see the the video. video. And he was like, well, this is what I did. And... I was going to kill Linda for sure. So I'm glad that happened because she was definitely going to be my next victim. And Linda May actually spoke with Greg's daughter, Stephanie, later on. And Stephanie said, you know, I couldn't say a word to you when I talked to you on the phone because I knew if I did, he would see it on your face and you'd be dead. Now, I know we gave Linda a lot of shit. That is truly terrifying. And in that confession letter that Rebecca gave, he was like, I am sincerely sorry for everyone I've murdered, which was a weird sentence to read. And then in the next breath, they were like, if we let you out for a day, would you kill again? And he was like, yeah, I would, because I know this sounds weird to you guys, but I really liked it. Yep. Thank God that man is behind bars. Yeah. He pled guilty to all of the murders. And on November 10th, 2009, he was sent to prison with three consecutive life sentences. Burn in hell. Burn in hell. Yeah, so I went online to look at his prison record, to look at his inmate record. There were all these things you could do for an inmate, like you could send them magazines or send them books or send them postcards or holiday cards. And there are so many parts of me that really just I hate the prison system so much and it doesn't seek to reform and it always seeks to punish And people are incarcerated due to systems, systems of mental illness, systems of poverty, systems of abuse. But every once in a while, when you see someone that is just evil. Unapologetically evil. And I think I'm a bad person because I was looking at, at his inmate registry and I was like, I don't want you to have nice things. No. I want you to stare at a blank wall. You don't get shit from Amazon. Yeah. Because also, you killed those people, and you said you would do it again. And you said you enjoyed it. And it's the lack of remorse. It's knowing that he 
got pleasure out of hurting people. And I do believe in advocating for like inmate rights. I don't know. I I just like I felt some kind of way. And I'm talking about the worst of the worst, obviously. Yeah. But people who don't want to change won't change. So why do you get a GQ magazine? Yeah. I, I don't know. There was like I'm talking about people who commit heinous atrocities. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I feel sometimes that your quality of life while you're incarcerated should directly reflect somehow the heinousness of your crimes. Absolutely. That will never happen. Yeah. I get it. I just I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of shit for saying that. But those confession tapes are chilling. I mean, I think if people watch this episode and they realize just how evil this man was and... I he mean, was a madman. Oh, he was a madman and he destroyed three people's lives over $25. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm glad you caught me. I would have done it again. I don't know. I was found myself getting so mad. Yeah. You're going to get a fucking holiday card from me. No, of course. I, it makes total sense. I'm going to get a lot of shit for saying that. I but don't think so. I, I mean, know. can you imagine Shannon's daughter seeing that and how they probably feel? feel the- yeah. Well, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? They don't get to read magazines because yeah. they're not here anymore. Exactly. I do believe that a lot of part of that system is fucked up, but I do believe a lot of those people, people like that should never see the light of day again. Yeah. Say something funny. Well, when things get dark, sometimes I have learned that singing is the best remedy. Well, Linda May, got something to say. Got something to say. It's that time of day. You are gay. No, but your cousin Linda's gay. And you are Linda May. Linda May, Linda Gay, listen to what I got to say. Get the fuck out of here. Sell your macrame <laughs> on eBay. Oh, my God. The rhythm. <laughs> I, I have good intentions. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> One Wonderland Murders. I love you, Christopher, but this is some hard, dark shit. It is. All right. Lighten the mood. Go to the Patreon and give yourself a palate cleanser of pink collar crimes. Yeah, or smoke a doobie. Or smoke a doobie. <laughs> Don't forget to join us on the Patreon. It is very easy. Just go to patreon.com and search Think Not. There is ridiculousness that will keep you amused all through your days. Well, some of that's dark. Fry Thy Neighbor was dark. Oh, it is. And also, if you're around and free, come see us at our live show. We promise you a great time. Yes, our live shows are a blast. And find us on social media. You can find us on I Think Not Pod pretty much everywhere. We are making content for you on TikTok and on Instagram. Please tag us in your pictures. Thank you for sharing our posts. It means so much to us that you think enough of us to share with your community. And we just really appreciate that. Tell them about the Facebook group. Oh, well, you can find us on Facebook at the I Think Not Podcast Facebook discussion group and we get up to all kinds of nonsense in there. It's a good time. (laughs) It is. And head over to iTunes and please give us a five-star review. It really, really does help us in that pesky algorithm and we would appreciate you writing a sentence or two. Something nice. Something about my butt. Joey's butt and the fact that I don't know how to put on shoes. But I love you, Del Bitches! I love you all and I love you too, Yellow Marsh. I love you, Joey! Love you! Bye. Bye! You guys, I was barefoot. I had an image of me getting on a public bus with no shoes on. I don't even know 
if I would have been allowed on. You know, I don't know, but I would imagine if you had been allowed on and then you went and sat next to somebody, they'd take one look at your barefoot feet and get up and move. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm the kind of person that would be like, hi, can I sit there? Okay, listen, I ran out of the house. My daughter was homesick. I was doing all these things. I like to drive barefoot. I do like to drive barefoot. Anyway. My worst nightmare. I'd be like, I don't care about your life, you old buzzard. Go find some shoes. Here's a grocery bag. Wrap them around your feet before you get it. <laughs> Hepatitis. Wait, did you not think this was about Fire Island? <laughs> I was like, I Cher- didn't say it's niche. Well, okay, there are two places where the gays go in the summer, the Pines and Cherry Grove. Yeah. And the Pines is really like the party section of Fire Island. I mean, they're both the party section. I feel like every summer is a terror in the Pines. Oh, absolutely. Like everyone's walking around, giving each other blowies and HJs, and they're like, does this thong make me look gay? You all? No one's for- giving each other a HJ. Maybe in a pickle. You don't know. But my Instagram, I am inundated with naked boys and feet pics. And you know what? To that I say, you're welcome. No. It's, it's, ugh. anyway. Oh, this please. Is not you about- love seeing your gays in a banana hammock. They all wear banana hammocks. But this episode is not about the pines. Yes. I found that out the hard way. Well, tell them what it said. I didn't write it down. You tell it. I read it. So you paused it? But you didn't write down what it said? You didn't remember to put your shoes on. <laughs> so, okay, I didn't write down this the letter. This is not going to be, no, this ends today. I got my new out. <laughs> that was a very, that She was can't a, touch me now. 